This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy Monday. Welcome to the National Conversation. We're live, we're late night, and you're invited to join in. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And it's the eve of the indictment of uh, Donald Trump, or I should say the arraignment of Donald Trump, and we've got a star-studded uh, panel uh, from today, tomorrow, the next day, uh, to to bring you the preview, to bring you the uh, the, the post arraignment analysis, you name it, we we it for you. So stay tuned for that stuff. And uh, there's a, a bunch of things I want to talk about on one of the international stories. Before we get into all the big stories of the day, the prime minister of Finland has been ousted, and apparently because she was a huge party animal. <laughs> and I just thought that was so odd. It was just so interesting. I mean, this really hardcore party animal. Uh, and, you know, there were claims of illicit drug use and this and that. And again, I, I don't have the full scoop, but I thought, man, let me bring that up because I'm going to follow that story throughout the evening and see see where it goes. But uh, lots of, um, lots of, I guess there's a lot to do. And I would say about nothing, but it is a big to do, right? The whole Trump um, arraignment tomorrow. And we, we have a, 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 bunch of, a bunch of opinions, a bunch of guests, a bunch of analysis. We're going to talk about the 2024 election as well. There's a lot to discuss, uh, but I just can't uh, get out of my mind that we're actually here at this juncture in life where not only is this happening that, you know, there's a political person, a former president running for president again, being arraigned during his campaign, uh, again, that's never happened before, and it's happening now. But moreover, I think it's so fascinating to me that we're doing it in a time where a lot of people get excited about this stuff. And I, I mean, like, you know, they're like, yeah, and it's good. I had a conversation, you know, like usual, uh, my, my daily uh, political uh, c commentary when I'm buying my coffee. 
And I tell the guy, look, this is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this in history. And he turns to me and says, we've never had a leader as crooked as Donald Trump. This is the this is the most crooked person we've ever seen in American history. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense that we're having all of these unprecedented actions because that's the type of action you have to take against a person like Donald Trump. And, and, I, and I think to myself, you know, this is scary. This is scary. And this is where and he and I differ on this. He says, you know, America's free. And there's so many things he loves about America that that are true. But there's a key element that he's missing. And it's how our founders stood up against this very thing, the tyranny of the majority. And when I brought that up to him, he was, he was just, you know, beside himself because he knew I was right. He didn't have anything to come back at me. And he kept saying, he said, that you, they can't all be wrong. You can't turn on every single channel. He said, and I'm not talking about MSNBC or CNN. I'm talking about every channel under the sun. International channels. You go to channels in other languages and everybody's saying the same thing, that this guy is a bad guy. And I said, just because everybody's saying it doesn't make it true, right? I mean, that's the easiest way to spread a rumor about people. Didn't you ever go to school as a kid in grade school? You've heard things about people, the telephone game, things get taken out of proportion all the time. Sometimes they've spread rumors about kids and they end up not being true in the least. So we differed on this key point. And I don't know if I made any headway with him. I don't know that it's my job to convert the guy, right? That's not my, uh, I'm not an evangelist uh, for conservatism, although I guess in some aspects I might be, but I'm really just, you know, calling it like I see it. But it fascinated me that he, despite agreeing with my point, he still disagreed with me that we should, everybody should still be on board and happy that we're breaking all these rules to get Trump. And then, you know, a little bit later, he, he loosened up and he told me, he said, look, you're, you know, I agree with you. Nobody would, nobody, no other human would meet this fate, but for Donald Trump. And I said, well, I'm glad you come to that. And he, and he says, part of me says it's because he's so bombastic and he's so this and that. And, and in his opinion, he says, look, I lived through tyranny. I lived in a dictatorship when he lived in Cuba. And he, he says, it's his opinion that growing up watching Fidel on television that type of authoritarian strongman, he said that's the vibe he gets from the way that Trump is portrayed in the media. And I said, well, that's interesting because, you know, we, we had Trump on our program here at America at Night with Rich Valdez. And, and he said, I know, and I listened to it live. And he said, I couldn't believe if it wasn't for the fact that I knew his voice, I, I couldn't believe that was the same guy that I always see on the news because they were two totally different people. And I guess the bottom line here is his thoughts were that Trump really is a person, that Trump really can be a nice guy, that maybe the media might be attacking him, but because he has his own personal vendetta, because he did a lot of transportation with a lot of uh, import goods, and during the uh, trade war with China, a lot of those goods dried up, and he lost his trucking business, he has a personal vendetta against Trump. And it's a personal vendetta against Trump, I think, that we're seeing play out in the courtroom in New York City, where they're taking a local courtroom, a state prosecutor for that works for the borough of Manhattan, district attorney, 
and they're trying to uh, pursue this case as a federal felony. So we, we shall see how this happens once the indictment is unsealed tomorrow. We'll continue with our speculation and analysis as we move forward. We're also going to talk about wokeism and how, you know, this new term, relatively new term, uh, this being woke um, is affecting our politics. In particular, I want to talk to the author of Woke Inc., both the book and the documentary. If you've ever seen it, it's on Newsmax. Excellent film. And that is Vivek Ramaswamy. And he's joining us next, and he's going to talk about the 2024 campaign and his um, decision to jump in the ring in the Republican primary. So all of that and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Again, our number, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And the culture wars continue, right? We've got fake fact checkers out there that are, uh, you know, changing the reality of things with their fake fact checking. Uh, and I have to say, and I say this all the time, and I'll say it till I'm, I'm blue in the face. You can't, fact checking is, should be, and must always be, a part of journalism. Right. If you're a journalist, fact checking is part of it. You know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, there was journalism and they didn't use this term fact checking. This is a new term that somehow suggests that there are people out there doing journalism without checking their facts. I mean, there's entire schools that teach you how to do this. Now, I understand that there's this social activism journalism that has become very prevalent in recent years, but it shouldn't. um it shouldn't do away with the, the idea that we should be fact-checking in journalism, right? And, and I think this is why we've seen the rise of wokeism, because wokeism has taken over so many different cultures, and whether it's cultural Marxism or or just um, people that are forget about the Marxism part of it, they just they're really into this this divide and conquer mentality of of going after different institutions in America for whatever reason race gender you name it uh, they just they feel like there's gravitas in these issues uh, but whatever the case is uh, excellent documentary that I saw like I'd mentioned to you before uh, woke Inc uh, by Vivek Ramaswamy and it was terrific I, I think it's based on his book by the same title. And I thought, you know, we have to learn about this. We also have to meet as many of the candidates for 2024 in the Republican primary. And that's why I said, you know, we should get Vivek Ramaswamy on the program. And he's with us. Vivek Ramaswamy, welcome, sir. How are you? It's great to be on. Wonderful. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about this documentary. Um, You're not a, a political person per se, but you decided to write this book and do this documentary and then get involved in politics. But let's talk about that first step. What what was it that uh, sparked the interest where you said, you know what, let me actually uh, write a book about this and, and produce a documentary? 
Well, look, I was the CEO of a multi-billion dollar biotech company that I had built from scratch. That was my background. I had developed medicines. Five of them are FDA-approved products today. That was the world I was in. But in 2020, after the tragic death of George Floyd, what happened was there was a demand that I begin to make statements on political and social issues like Black Lives Matter that I didn't feel it was my job to make statements on. And so that resulted in a series of events that you know, resulted in several advisors to my company stepping off the board. And you know what I said is, you know what, I've ha- had a successful career in building this company from scratch. One of the drugs I developed was a drug for prostate cancer, in fact. But I needed to step aside to focus on a different kind of cancer, a cultural cancer that I worried threatened to kill the dream that allowed me to achieve everything I ever had in my life. My parents came to this country with almost no money. There I was one generation later founding a multi-billion dollar business without apologizing for it or thinking of myself as a victim. Yet that culture had changed in America. And so Woke Inc. was my first step towards doing that, writing a book exposing a lot of the charade that I had seen in the highest ranks of corporate America, in America's most elite institutions, to hopefully let the rest of the country see what was really going on and hopefully prevent us from being divided by these cynical forces. So that's why I wrote the book, and then I was approached about folks who wanted to turn it into a documentary and so on, and, and my goal was to get the message out anyway, not to make money off of writing this book. I'd already had success through my business career. I said I'm going to spread the message in whatever way we maximally can to make our country better off. Now, uh, and again, I urge everybody to take a look at, at, at the film and, and pick up a copy of the book. They're both really, really well done. Um, Vivek, what is the impetus uh, for your presidential campaign? Uh, obviously, there's, you know, there's, there's Trump that's in the race, and um, uh, your job in your campaign is going to be to draw that contrast, and I think you're out there beating the drum on that every day. Um, I'm just looking at a piece in Washington Post from earlier today. Uh, it says, Trump ally running against Trump. Why is he really running? How do you respond to a headline like that? Well, look, I think that I believe wholeheartedly in the Trump America First agenda, I'm just running to take it to the next level, to take it even further than Donald Trump was able to take it, because I'm going to do it with moral authority grounded on principles, not just on vengeance and grievance. And I respect President Trump. He's a friend. I was a supporter in 2020. But I think that in order to really put America first, we now as a nation need to rediscover what America is. And I think that takes a more Reagan-esque approach to lead America out of the national identity crisis that we're in. We were in a national identity crisis in the late 70s. Reagan led us out of it with a moral foundation based on principles and conviction and an optimism about the future. And that's what I bring. I think 2024 can be that year for us, too, where I can lead us out on the basis of rediscovering what America is based on principles like meritocracy, free speech and open debate self-governance over aristocracy, going even further than Trump did on policies like my plan to end affirmative action, unshackle ourselves from this climate cult in America, shut down toxic government bureaucracies from the Department of Education to the FBI, using the military to solve the border crisis and the cartel problem that's responsible for fentanyl killing 100,000 Americans per year. Trump could have done these things. Anyone could have done these things. No president has done them yet. And I think that once I can go further with that America First agenda, 
but also do it in a way that unifies our country because we're doing it from a moral foundation and on principle rather than based on grievance. So that's what I aim to do is to take the agenda further and actually unite the country in the process. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, candidate for president in 24 for the Republican primary. What, um, and I love what you're saying. Uh, I just, my, my thinking is, how do you get there, right? It's, it seems like a conservative utopia, right, or a patriotic utopia where um, there, there is no administrative state, there is no opposition from, from the left on the Democrat side. How do you overcome those obstacles? How do you gain that consensus and bring about this unity? So, look, I think America first as an idea, it is bigger than any, as I said, bigger than any one man. It's bigger than Donald Trump. It is bigger than me. It does not belong to any of us. It's about putting the country first. But if we view it that way, it's also bigger than political partisanship. I think it rises above the Republican versus Democrat distinctions. I mean, let's be really honest. We in the America First movement, we're just using the Republican Party as a vehicle to advance our agenda. This isn't the same version of the Republican Party that's existed for 40 years. But I also think we bring a good number of orphaned Democrats and independents with us who want to put the country first, who want to say that I want to live a more prosperous life rather than fighting an imaginary battle against an existential climate threat, who don't want to be discriminated against on the basis of the color of their skin. It's not black Americans first. It's not white Americans first. It's America first. That's what getting rid of affirmative action means. So I think this can actually be unifying. It can be galvanizing for our country where I think the way we deliver national unity in America isn't by showing up in the middle and saying, hey, let's compromise Republicans and Democrats by holding hands. No, I think the way we deliver national unity is by saying that we're going to embrace the extremism, the radicalism of the American ideals themselves, the American ideals that bind us together as one people across our diversity, the ideals that set this nation into motion in 1776, and embrace those ideals today without apology. That is how we unite this country. That is how we take America first to the next level. That is how we go further than even Trump did. And that is what I'm going to do as president. That is why I'm in this race. And I'm confident we can deliver a national revival instead of a national divorce on the back of it. Vivek Ramaswamy, candidate for uh, the Republican nomination. How do you... uh feel, react, or respond to what's happening with, uh, you know, this could happen to you as a candidate for for office that is being um, indicted and arraigned on what many are saying are flimsy charges. I think they are flimsy charges. It is a politicized persecution through this prosecution. And I think this is a national disaster. If you have any doubt about it, this is a prosecutor who is delivering on a campaign promise. He promised to investigate Trump Now he's delivering on it. That is politicized. And I think it is a breach of our justice system. And I say this because it would be more convenient for me as a candidate if Trump weren't in this race. But that is not how the system is supposed to work. That is not the way the justice system works. It is not the way our electoral system works. And I refuse to just stand by and watch as a bystander without actually saying something about it and hopefully shaping the system for the better. Because public trust is going to be tanked in our electoral system and justice system after this. That being said, I want to actually solve the problem by solving that administrative cancer, not just complain about it. And that's why I'm taking Trump's vision to the next level. Awesome. Vivek, let everybody know, please, quickly, your website. 
All right. I think we lost them. <laughs> All right, folks, I'll give you the website on the other side. Vivek Ramaswamy, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. More to come straight ahead. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We just heard from uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek 2024 is his website. Now, I want to um, switch gears to another 2024 candidate. You may or may not have heard about this one. Uh, the governor of Arkansas. I don't know if he's still governor. Well, Asa Hutchinson, I think, what's he, a senator now? I I can't even keep up. But he has launched his campaign for president. We got a little audio on that. Listen to this. When I spoke to you earlier this year, you said you were thinking about running for president. Have you made a decision? Are you running? I have made a decision, and my decision is I'm going to run for president of the United States. While the formal announcement will be later in April in Bentonville, Uh, I wanted to make clear that to you, Jonathan, I am going to be running. And the reason, uh, as I've traveled the country for six months, I hear people talk about the leadership of our country. And I'm convinced that people want leaders that appeal to the best of America and not simply appeal to our worst instincts. And that inspires me when I see everyday Americans just saying, give us good leadership, give us common sense, consistent conservatism and optimism about our great country. And uh, that inspires me. And I believe I can be that kind of leader for the people of America. All right. So that's uh, Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas. And he's thrown his hat into the ring. Uh, All right. Whatever. You know, I mean, I I will take your calls if you'd like on, um, you know, the top three things Asa Hutchinson has done. Uh, I don't know we're going to get very many calls on that topic, but here he is. He's in the race. And and it makes you wonder, why do some people get involved in these races when, you know, they know that they can't win? Obviously, it's because there's another angle, right? When if you know you can't win, at least you think, well, I could potentially get this or some notoriety or this, that and the other. So it's it's interesting to to see how this is going to play out. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. This one, I, I'm still wondering. I don't think that there's going to be a ton of Republican support. Uh, I'd be curious to see who'd get more support, whether it's Asa Hutchinson or Liz Cheney. I'm not sure. Uh, but you're free to call and let me know your thoughts. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. But um, he was governor for two terms, and uh, he said that, he will um, he will run, and of course he's going to take shots at at Trump along the way. And you know it's, what fascinates me with with this stuff is you've got people now like him and others that are going to step in, you know, and they're going to say things like you know Trump Trump is a distraction, right? And 
Every, this is bigger than this one person. And of, of course it is. Uh, you know, this is America. It's about a bunch of people. But ultimately, it's not like Trump decided to, to get himself into this mess, right? He's in this mess. He's in this mess, for at least my, my perspective, is because he was effective. And he, and he ticked a lot of people off. And he doesn't make money the way the rest of them make money. And if the swamp went dry, you know, if the administrative state and, and the addiction to cash that we see coming out of Washington, if, this, um, if it dried up, if they went to rehab, you know, if they fired all of Congress and hired a bunch of, you know, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers, and, and we the people really became members of Congress, again, living in my conservative utopia, um, I think we would, we would see a different way of spending. We would see a different way of life in America. Some would hate that way. Some would love that way. But it would be different, and there would be a lot less money moving around, uh, at least for the government, which in turn could mean a lot more move, money moving around for people. Right. If you don't have to pay as much in taxes, if the government's not involved in as much, it seems like you've got a lot more of your money. Anyway, that's just my thought on this. So we shall see how that uh, how that goes. Asa Hutchinson. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit here and go to the border because the border. Interesting. Very interesting. Right. With all of the uh, the news of indictments and arraignments and everything. Uh, we, we haven't heard too much about the border lately, but you know what? Listen to a headline from, of all places, NBC News. More Chinese migrants are coming to the U.S. on foot, officials say. Now, this is also one of the topics that I've discussed with the um, cast of characters at the Cuban restaurant where I get my coffee in the morning. And this is interesting. And again, while I'm Puerto Rican, uh, I love Cuban coffee. And the reason I find it interesting is because these Cuban guys, they, they, these guys are citizens and, um, you know, most of them are, are Republicans, very patriotic, America-loving people. And then there's the one guy, he's an America-loving person, but he's, and he's patriotic, but he doesn't like Trump, and he's not a Republican. And he, um, he agrees on a lot of issues, and he says, you know, this thing with the border, big, big mistake. He said, you got more Cubans coming in right now than we've seen in a long time. And he said, the way they're doing it is they're leaving Cuba, they're flying into... Nicaragua or other countries like that making their way to the border uh, by paying off, you know, a, a, a um, one of the narco people, one of the uh, cartel people that are human smugglers, and they get them across. And he said, depending on how far you're coming from depends on how much you pay. So he was telling me that he had a cousin who'd been trying to petition to come to the United States and was unsuccessful. And uh, the guy told him, he said, well, you know, one of my friends did was... Um, he paid some guy $4,000, and he's going to Nicaragua. And in Nicaragua, they're going to get him across the border. And there are thousands upon thousands of people a day doing this, not just from Cuba, from all over the place. But the point about Cuba that he was bringing up was that he was saying, listen, here's the problem with this. The problem with all of this is that these people that are coming from Cuba, like the guy, his cousin's friend who had paid this mule to get him across the, the border, the problem with them he's saying is that these guys are delinquents in Cuba and they're only coming here to be delinquents here. They're looking for what Cuba offers a, a very serious social safety net, you know, free this, free that, even if it doesn't work. And here it obviously works a lot better than it does anywhere else. So he was saying that, you know, from what he understands, some of the people that are coming in are coming in with this mindset of, you know, I want as much free as I can get. And, you know, the, 
the, the world is my oyster in the United States, meaning they can do whatever they want, but not necessarily to open businesses. And he was saying that he felt that so many of the people that are coming in uh, are similar to the Mariel Boatlift back in the 80s, where he was saying, you know, Fidel Castro just emptied out prisons, emptied out um, uh, the loony bin, the insane asylum, and said, sure, you guys want to go to America? Go right ahead, and sent us their worst, which is, you know, kind of what uh, people are always saying. Trump said, you know, with, with respect to Mexico, they're sending us their rapists, their murderers, you know, that, that very famous speech that was taken out of context. Anyway, so uh, I look at all of that, and I think, man, so you've got people that are in America of Cuban descent saying we shouldn't be letting the Cubans in, or at least not those Cubans, because these aren't the Cubans that uh, ultimately will reject socialism and communism. These are the Cubans that uh, are a product of socialism and communism and are looking to to fit into that somehow in the United States. And I'm thinking that's just the one example that I have that I know about from you know my travails to the coffee shop to, to buy my cafe con leche. But what about all these other countries where people are coming in? What about these migrants that are coming in from China? And a growing number of Chinese immigrants are coming are into the U.S., crossing the border without papers, often taking, taking these uh, very dangerous journeys through several countries and different modes of transportation using social media as their guide. Isn't that crazy? Now, the U.S. Border and Protection, um, CBP, they reported... In the past five months, at least 4,300 Chinese undocumented immigrants have been apprehended crossing the southern border, which amounts to more than double the number for all of last year. Biden's beating his own records at the border. Good old Mayorkas is likely um, very, very upset. So we'll pick up with Mayorkas straight ahead. Again, our phone number, 833 for Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ, and your calls. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Is there anything that's off the table that you won't do to secure the border? Well, the president, uh, as I think you know very well, said we are not going to uh, construct more wall that um, costs billions and billions of dollars that is immovable. Okay, so we can't move the wall and it's expensive. That's why we're not doing it. We uh, we can't do that. That's Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of Homeland Security, the guy that's in charge of defending our border and securing it. The one who says we have operational control, but we don't have operational control, but we do have operational control. That's him. And uh, interesting, you know, one immigrant in that piece on um, NBC News spoke anonymously about his experience, saying that, he, you know, he feared staying in China after speaking out against government corruption and fearing that there would be some rep- re- retribution against him and being jailed twice already. He fled following instructions by those who had gone before him on Chinese social networking apps. And they had detailed guides, videos, and maps, which helped him make the journey largely on his own. 
He says, there's a lot of information. Trust me. He said, it's step by step. So listen, if you're in China and you want to get out of China, you can literally go on your social networking apps and go right ahead and make the trek into the United States. How about that? Anyway, let us go to your calls. Let's see. We have uh, calls from Kentucky, calls from Montana. Let us start in Bowling Green with Jim. Jim, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Good evening, Rich. If you just give me a couple minutes, I got two comments. First on the border, that's that's a wash. It's done. We know that. It's over. They they've done what they wanted to do with the border. It's wide open. They're not going to change it. They can do the Washington two step all they want to. That's that's a done deal until we change uh, administrations. Basically, that's over with. And secondly, the the Republicans that you've had on, if Anybody goes against Mitch McConnell and the gang up there, Democrats and Republicans, they're all in cahoots. Nobody's going to make it. They're, they're not going to allow it. The, they proved that prosecuting a former president, they don't care. All holds are off. You know, there's nothing that is sacred anymore. They're going to do what they do to make sure that they stay in power. Like you said, you can't drain the swamp because you're taking away their livelihood. Yeah. And it's it's sad that that's the case. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up Uh, a little while ago, just before the show started. uh, Former President Trump uh, put a post on Truth Social saying, wow, District Attorney Bragg just illegally leaked the various points and complete information on the pathetic indictment against me. I know the reporter. And so, unfortunately, does he. (laughs) This means that he must be immediately indicted. Now, if he wants to really clean up his reputation, he will do the honorable thing and, as district attorney, indict himself. (laughs) He will go down in judicial history and his Trump-hating wife will be, I'm sure, very proud of him. <laughs> Only Trump could put uh, together such a uh, truth social post as that one. Uh, I thought that was very terrific and uh, huge. Jim, uh, what do you think of what Trump said? Well, that's that's just Trump. I mean, he's he's going to tell you straight on you whether you like him or hate him. I I, I don't personally care for him as a person. What I do support about him is when he said something, he got it done. And that was the bottom line. Whether I'm not voting for a popularity contest, I'm voting for somebody to clean this country and get it done. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And I appreciate your call. You know, a lot of people in the past have criticized me saying, oh, but he's immoral. He's this and he's that. And I can't necessarily agree to those things either. Uh, I'm not saying that I I agree with them, but I, I always have said when I vote for a president, I'm I'm not looking to to vote for somebody based on on one single issue. It's it's a totality of issues, and I I famously always said I'm voting for a president, not for a pastor, and I think that about sums it up. We're going to get to the rest of your calls straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at 
All right, America, welcome back. Uh, we have a clip of Alejandro Mayorka saying that, you know what, this is not unique to the United States southern border, what's happening with this unchecked immigration, illegal immigration. Listen to this. The DHS estimates another 600,000 people evaded agents and entered the U.S. illegally, the highest number in over a decade. What the American people see is a border that looks to be chaotic, that looks to be porous. Well, let's, I mean, the number of people that are arriving at our border um, is at an extraordinary height. There's no question about that. But that is not unique to the southern border of the United States. There is a tremendous amount of movement throughout the hemisphere and, in fact, throughout the world. You know, just imagine that your house gets robbed. God forbid your house gets robbed and you go to the police and you walk into the the police department and, and you tell the cop sergeant at the desk, you say, sir, They've robbed my house. And he says, well, you know, look, it's not very unique. They're actually robbing houses all over this town, the neighboring town, three towns over. Everybody's getting robbed, pal. How would you feel? Because that's what I hear him telling me. I would say I don't give an FCC disallowed word that starts with an F and ends with a K. You need to do your job and secure this town. Because if you don't, I will, right? I have to secure my home. People, people are very gracious, but people also have legitimate requests and, and gripes in life. And we it's a legitimate request for our government to do the right thing. That's all I can say. I, I can't imagine uh, this being more complicated than that. Shields, Michigan, KDKA. Let's go to Kim. What's up, Kim? Go for it. Hey, Rich. I'll talk quick. Um, the... Uh Governor, I think, of Oklahoma said they're having um, a lot of trouble with these Chinese people coming in and working on the medical marijuana farm. And they, they had a shootout there. One Chinese guy came in and shot four people on the farm, killed three, and I think one lived. And I don't know what the circum... I don't know if he was an enforcer or something or what. But anyways, the other thing I wanted to say is Mike Pence, is too milk toast. Nikki Haley quit her UN ambassador thing to go take care of her family. You can't do that when you're the president. And the last thing is, is if anybody thinks that what's happening to President Trump wouldn't happen to the next one that got in there that had a strong backbone, they're crazy. They'll do this not just only to Trump, but the next one too. If they st- if that person stands up to the other side, that, that's yeah. all. Thanks. <laughs> Good point. And you know, and just in response to that, and I thank you for your call, Kim. The the thought that goes through my head is something that Trump said, and he said, you know, they're coming after me, but they're but who they really want is you. And while I believe that, I feel like we're, un- we're misunderstanding it. And, and by that, I mean, it's not like, hey, if they can do this to me, they can do this to you. It's, hey, they've already been doing this to us, and now they're doing it to him. The two-tier justice thing is no longer even two tiers. People that would have legitimately once had some insulation from this don't have it anymore. So, yeah, I I think, you know, when we saw this happen to Roger Stone, who was invited to be on this program, by the way, he might be joining us tomorrow, uh, when we've seen this happen to Paul Manafort and so many others, uh, this has been a a chain of events, right? They've been working on this for for quite a while 
to get to this place where they're able to do this. And they finally arrived at it. And now you've got Cyrus Vance saying all these crazy things. We'll play the audio on him uh, in the next hour. But basically alluding to the idea that, uh, at least from what I understand, that he didn't take this case uh, and didn't run with it because he was told not to by the United States attorney at the time that Trump was in office. So we'll see um, how that plays out. To me, it sounds like more theater uh, from from those on the left. But we will do that straight ahead. And uh, before the hour's up, I wanted to um, just uh, announce and and give a word uh, that uh, Cameron Gray, a known producer in this industry, passed away over the weekend. And I just wanted to give my condolences to him and his family. Uh, Godspeed to all of them. There is more to come straight ahead. This is America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and you're welcome to join our late-night national town hall conversation. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, 833-482-5337. And um, obviously the the big story is the impending uh, indictment, or I should say arraignment, of Donald Trump, uh, the 45th president of the United States, and... Uh, earlier, there was uh, over the weekend, as even on Friday, there were some stories or leaks coming out. But now the Post Millennial is reporting that, according to Yahoo News, who's citing a source who I'm going to only presume to be someone from Alvin Bragg's office, uh, that Donald Trump will be charged with 34 felony counts for falsification of business records. But there will be no mugshot taken and Trump will not be handcuffed. Now, this Yahoo News report says that. Trump will not be put in handcuffs, placed in a jail cell, or subjected to a mugshot, typical procedures, even for white-collar defendants, until a judge has weighed in on pretrial conditions. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office, which has been consulting with the Secret Service and New York City court officials, concluded that there was no reason to subject the former president to handcuffs or a mugshot. Yahoo News describes the single source as a source who has been briefed on the procedures for the arraignment of the former president. And under New York State Penal Code, a conviction for the Class E felony of falsifying business records can result in a prison term of up to four years. But as a practical matter, that seems extremely unlikely. No one gets jail time for that as a first offender, said a New York law enforcement official, according to Yahoo. I tell you, journalism is just so on point nowadays. Uh, You've got just an unnamed law enforcement official, uh, single sources being uh, cited, secret sources. Anyway, um, I just want to reiterate that uh, Donald Trump put out a statement in response to that saying, quote, on Truth Social, on his uh, social media platform, uh, his post reads as such. Wow. 
District Attorney uh, Bragg just illegally leaked the various points and complete information on the pathetic indictment against me. I know the reporter, and so unfortunately does he. This means that he must be immediately indicted. Now, if he wants to really clean up his reputation, he will do the honorable thing and, as district attorney, indict himself. He will go down in judicial history, and his Trump-hating wife will be, I'm sure, very proud of him. End quote on the uh, Truth Social post from Donald Trump. So I want to get to uh, to break that down and to get a little bit of uh, the pre-arraignment analysis from a, from a pro, Andy Trusevich. He is uh, with Quilling, Sealander, and Lowndes, excuse me, Lowndes, Winslet, and Moser. And he's uh, he's been a lawyer. He's got decades of experience, including a case that went up to the Supreme Court and they won. Andy Trusevich, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be on your program and um, and to your listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. Uh, my, my pleasure. And um, I, 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 I've never met you, um, so I'm going to get, you know, your um, unvarnished and unbiased opinion on this stuff. Uh, let's, I guess, take it from the top. Um, what do you make of all this stuff? Well, just so you know, and, and I'll, I'll say this quickly, I ran for judge on the opposite side of the aisle of Trump's political affiliation. So I'm not a Trump fan. I don't ha- I'm not on his social media or I've never been on his social media. But what I make of it is this is this is anti-American. It is absolutely um, against the First Amendment, the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment due process. And I wish Trump wouldn't say anything because he has a really good lawyer, Joe Tacopina. I don't know him personally, but I call him Hurricane Tacopina um, is coming for Bragg and Bragg's going to lose this case. Remember this conversation and he's going to lose this case, but it is anti-American. No one's above the law. I agree with that statement, but nobody should be targeted with 36 counts of who knows what's coming. And I'm sure it's hush money. But I also believe that it's going to be, well, Trump said my building is worth, you know, 50 million when it comes to tax authority. But when he goes out for a loan, says it's worth 100 million. That occurs every day in business. And if they're going to indict Trump for that, then indict Google, invite, uh, indict Apple, indict Samsung, indict every company, big company, because they all do it. They fight the tax consequences, which is legal. And then if they go for a loan, they say, hey, our property is worth this. And that's my issue. This is selective prosecution by a prosecutor on my party who ran on a platform that said, I'm going to indict the Trump organization, indict the Trump family, and indict Donald Trump. Six months ago, he said there was no case. There was no federal prosecution. DOJ passed on it. The Federal Election Commission passed on it. How can you do this? You might as well have every prosecutor in every city indicting a former president. That's my issue with this case. It's unconstitutional. Yeah, Andy Trusevich, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And, and it's, I'm glad you, you mentioned what you mentioned in the beginning, because earlier today I was saying, you know, where are the Democrats that are lawyers and judges and, and law enforcement. And where are they in seeing this? Because, again, I, I'm, I am a, a, a partisan, biased person, um, it's kind of what I do for a living. But 
I, I understand that, you know, if they were doing this to someone else, I would still say it's wrong, right? I think the whole thing is wrong. We shouldn't, we shouldn't politicize uh, prosecutions for anybody's political benefit. And, and the point that you just made with Alvin Bragg running on this, um, I think that's inappropriate in my opinion. I don't know. You let me know what your opinion is. But to have someone say, look, I'm going to be the chief law enforcement officer, the district attorney, the prosecutor for New York County, um, and, and I'm going to make it a, a campaign issue to go after this particular person. Now, that happens, I think, if you're talking about a mobster or, you know, some organized crime people uh, like Giuliani did with with the Gaudis and whatnot. But uh, I've never heard that done on a, on a particular politician who hadn't been, you know, I mean, this is this is the extent of a criminal felony prosecution is what you just mentioned, um, falsifying business records. And it's a stretch at that. It is absolutely a stretch. Businesses do it every day. Homeowners, I, personally, myself, I would uh, go to the taxing authority and say, listen, you said my home is worth X. I don't believe that. Here's why. But yet two years later, I sold it for almost double than what the taxing authority said. And if you're going to do that, then prosecute me and every almost every American homeowner that 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 protest their tax basis. It happens every day. And what's going on is selective prosecution. And for Judge Marchand, shame on him. I mean, he should recuse himself. There's no doubt that he should recuse himself and let the presiding judge take over. But Judge Marchand wants his 15 minutes of fame. He wants to be on TV. He wants to be able to tell his neighbors, his kids can go to school and say, we saw your dad on TV. He should recuse himself. He's already uh, held trials against some of the Trump organizations. And he even said when it came to Weisselberg, the CFO, well, if it wasn't for the plea deal, I would have sentenced you to more prison. He's biased. And Mm -hmm. you can't have that. You have to have an unbiased judge when you are being prosecuted. And Marchand should uh, recuse himself, but he won't. My guess is he will issue a gag order, um, which is unconstitutional, and then that helps the prosecution. So that's what I think is going to happen. He's not going to be handcuffed. He's not going to do a perp walk because Secret Service won't allow it. It's not that Bragg is being, you know, generous, uh, professional here. It's Mm -hmm. because the Secret Service won't allow it. And then um, his mugshot and under New York uh, law is not public. But it will be leaked either by a correctional guard being paid money under the table or some journalist filing a Freedom of Information Act. But his mugshot will end up being uh, um, in the public domain, which it shouldn't be. And like I said, I, I just do not agree with this prosecution. And remember John Edwards. He was a Democrat, but he yeah. was prosecuted by the federal government, not some local DA that was uh, backed by George Soros that prosecuted John Edwards. It was the federal government, and they they lost that case. It was uh, not guilty on one count and hung jury on five, and they never prosecuted him. Why isn't the federal government? The DOJ passed on it. The Federal Election Commission passed on it. Uh, uh, Bragg passed on it six months ago and said there was no case, but suddenly now there's a case. And even though, as a Democrat, I disagree with what's happening, if people don't want Donald Trump to run, then that should be the voice at the ballot box, not right. in a jury box. 
Andy Trusevich, uh, attorney with lots of experience. I want you to stand by with us. We're going to take a quick pause right here. When I come back, I want yes, to uh, pull on that thread that you just mentioned with the gag order. And also, you, you made a very uh, profound statement that you said, Takapina is going to win and he's coming for Bragg. I want to explore that a little bit as well. Don't go anywhere, folks. Keep it locked right here. We're giving you the pre-arraignment analysis with Andy Trusevich on America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Our guest is Andy Trusevich. Uh, he is a partner with Quilling, Sealander, Lowndes, Winslet, and Moser. And um, Andy Trusevich, I want you to hear former Manhattan DA Cy Vance uh, Jr., Cyrus Vance Jr., um, from the um, Manhattan Prosecutor's Office. He was on Meet the Press this weekend with Chuck Todd. And I want you to listen to what he says here because I found it to be very interesting. Listen to this. Why didn't you charge the hush money case? Why didn't you ever charge it in 2018, 2019, 2020? Uh, well, Chuck, I don't want to get into the deliberations that might be covered by grand jury material, but it's, uh, but uh, as I believe you know, uh, I was asked by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District to stand down uh, on our investigation, which had commenced involving the Trump Organization. And as, you know, as, as someone who respects that office a great deal and, and believing that they may have perhaps the best laws uh, to investigate, I did so. Uh, and I was somewhat surprised after uh, Mr. Cohen pleaded guilty uh, that the federal government did not proceed on, uh, on the areas in which it asked me to stand down. Uh, by that time, uh, we were uh, also well on our way in a financial investigation that ultimately led to subpoenas, which the president himself published uh, in a lawsuit he filed against me in the office. And ultimately, that long but you know, successful journey to the Supreme Court. And for those who think this is about politics, I think it's important to remind folks that the review of uh, the president's objections to our seeking his tax and other financial records were reviewed by two separate district courts, two separate courts of appeal, and twice by the United States Supreme Court, all of whom found no evidence that politics was motivating our actions. Andy Trusevich, is Cy Vance, in your opinion, giving a response that's on the level? Is it political? Uh, does it leave a little bit to be desired? What say you? A little bit to be desired because Chuck Todd is not going to be fair towards Trump no matter what. It, it, mm-hmm. Chuck, Chuck Todd has never seen a Republican that he's liked. And my issue here is that if the DOJ, the federal government, thought Trump did something wrong, then prosecute him. I have no problem with that if the federal government does it. But, you know, the fact that some Manhattan DA who ran on a platform and won barely um, to be elected said there was nothing wrong six months ago and now says there is something wrong. And trust me, he's not going to be the one in trial. He's going to send some lowly DA in trial against Hurricane Takapina. Hurricane Takapina is coming for them, and Hurricane Takapina is going to win. He will resonate with the New York City jury. Bragg thinks, oh, I'll just get, you know, 12 New York jurors. They're dumb enough to uh, – they hate Trump. They're, they're Democrats, and they'll convict. 
That's not true. Jurors take their oath seriously. I've been trying cases across the country for 31 years, and New York City jurors will take their oath seriously, and they're going to come back not guilty. He's being overcharged. He's being charged what should have been, if anything, by the federal government, but the federal government declined prosecution, the DOJ and the, and the, and the Federal Election Commission, and then left it to some lowly – I mean, why not the DA in Ames, Iowa? I mean, why not the DA in, in, in San Diego? Why not have every DA in every city prosecute Trump? It's because he is Trump. And I disagree. I wish he wouldn't have tweeted the way he did, but that has – that's First Amendment. Don't prosecute someone because you don't like what they tweet. That's just un-American. Now, Andy Trusevich, in what Cyrus Vance is telling Chuck Todd here, um, is there room in, in this to believe that he would have gone forward? Or at least he, to me, it sounds like he's saying I would have gone forward with this in 2018, 2019 or 2020. But the federal government on Trump's watch was telling me not to do it. So I didn't do it. And then they didn't do it. So who am I to do anything? Uh, I feel like, you know, he's kind of um, scapegoating here. Um is is that in fact the case because they they can't indict a sitting president or would they have just waited if any of that were to be true? The best example, great question. I mean, great question. And the fact that Trump got crosswise with his first attorney general because he said, "Oh, I want to appoint an independent counsel." If if, if Vance wanted to appoint an independent counsel, he could have. And for him to say, oh, I was pressured by the federal government not to do this, what a scapegoat. I mean, his mm-hmm. dad was a really good uh, a lawyer. Cyrus Vance Jr., a bad lawyer. And, you know, if he wants to sue me, he can sue me. But that is a <laughs> scapegoat. That is what it is. And, you know, Trump got crosswise with his first AG because right out of the box he appointed a special counsel, and Trump didn't agree with it. But at the same time, Cyrus Vance Jr. could have done the same thing. And to say he was pressured by the federal government not to proceed, that is such a poor excuse. And what a poor excuse as a lawyer for Cyrus Vance Jr. I would not hire him to walk my dog. <laughs> All right. So, so far from the reports that we have now, like, and again, I just want to use this as a point of reference. Um, a week ago, they, yes, they, they said, we are not going to... Uh, continue convening. We're going to take a month off. Um, And, you know, we were led to believe that there were no deliberations. There was no vote taken by the grand jury. And then five minutes later, we hear there's an indictment. Right. So I'm wondering today there there's reports saying that they're they're not going to use they're not going to take a mugshot and they're not going to use handcuffs. Uh, There's not going to be a perp walk. I'm wondering, will there be another switcheroo or surprise? One minute to you. Um, Real quick, there will not be a perp walk. He won't be handcuffed. Not because Bragg is being professional. Bragg is unprofessional and he should be disbarred by the state of New York. It's because the Secret Service will not allow that to happen, which I'm glad they do. Uh, second thing, his mugshot will be released. Remember this conversation. Under New York, it shouldn't be released, but it will. It will be leaked or it will be a uh, um, freedom of information But Trump has a great lawyer. Hurricane Takapina is going to come after Bragg, and Bragg has no idea what's coming. Andy Trusevich, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's been an honor. Oh, it's been an honor to be on your show and your listeners. Thank you so much.
you bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. There's a big rally tomorrow to welcome Trump and let everybody know how they feel. Um, Our buddy Kevin Smith from Lab Majority joins us next. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night. Specific, specific credible threats to our city at this time. And all New Yorkers should go on with their regular activities. That means going to work, going to school. Uh, we're going to do our job as we always do. That's uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. He says there's no specific threat to the city. And why would there be? The threat is against Donald Trump and this uh, sham of an arraignment that's going down tomorrow. And we're going to see what happens there. But giving us some pre-arraignment analysis and activism is our buddy Kevin Smith. He's the co-founder of Loud Majority. They started out in Long Island. Now they're all over the place. They've got a they've got a, a great show. They've got lots of activism going on, and they're partnering with the New York Young Republican Club and uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene to have a rally tomorrow uh, in response to Trump's arraignment. Kevin Smith, welcome. Thanks for having me. You got it, brother. So let's uh, talk a little bit about what's what can uh, New Yorkers and Americans expect? Because obviously this is going to happen in New York City tomorrow, but this is going to make waves uh, across the country. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I said it on my show earlier today that this this will be the point that our grandkids will read about in their history textbooks. This will be the crossing of the Rubicon this will be, you know, the the attack on Fort Sumner. This will be a, a historic moment tomorrow when a, a obviously corrupt and obviously bought off district attorney goes after the presumptive uh, nominee for president of the United States. This is a real turning point in our nation's history. And to, to think that so many people, so many people can be so blind to what this will do, to the implications of this, to what this is going to mean afterwards, is is really terrifying where we are as a nation. Now, let's talk about this this rally that you guys have planned. <clears throat> Mayor Adams is saying that there's you know there's no specific threat, but we're we're ready to do uh, for whatever you know to do whatever we have to do if something happens. Uh, you also have Admiral John Kirby, National Security Advisor spokesperson. He says. <clears throat> Let's see here. There's two of them here that they're closely watching the Trump situation and that his national people are ready if needed. I want you to listen to what he has to say. Check this out. We are in touch with state and local authorities as we should be. Um, And uh, we're monitoring as as closely as we can. And, and, you know, uh, we'll be prepared uh, should there be a a need. But hopefully there won't be uh, that need. There should be. There should be uh, no need for anybody to want to visit violence uh, on fellow citizens around this or any other uh, legal proceeding. Violence has no place in the United States. Uh, peaceful protest has uh, very much uh, um, a, a valued place in our democracy. And that's what, uh, you know, sh- should there be protests, uh, we certainly prefer to see them uh, peaceful. All right. So there we go. That's. 
John Kirby, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Kevin Smith, tell us, um, you know, how do you react to this? John Kirby saying, hey, look, we've got federal troops on the ready. Well, first off, I want to be clear. If John Kirby told me it was raining, I'd go outside and check. I don't believe a single thing that man says. I mean, you know, he's firstly he, he's a, he's a paid liar for the administration. That's his job. He's a spin doctor. But m- moreover, and I want to be very clear. As one of the organizers of this of this event downtown tomorrow, you know, there will be no violence coming from us. Uh, we have no intention of of any sort of violence. We were just there to let President Trump know that we stand with him. Uh, and anyone who's deciding to come down tomorrow who wants to act up, just know you'll be totally condemned by everyone on our side. That's what they want. They want there to be another. Uh, they want there to be violence. They want there to be a spectacle, and we're not going to give them the opportunity to spin that in any way other than the way we want it. Now, I'm very confident in um, in knowing that in, on January 6th, the majority of people that were there, and again, there was, I don't know, 800,000 people, 700,000, whatever the estimates were, uh, a ton of people. And there were a handful of people that were doing some things that they ought not to have done. And in, upon further analysis, we find out that these handful of people um, ha- were potentially informants of the FBI, were working with the FBI, were there to incite things, were actually led into the building by the police. And, and lo- lots of new things and nuance that we're finding out uh, that we didn't know before. And I guess I say all of that to say, do you guys as the organizers of this rally – have anything in place to um, keep an extra set of eyes out for a bunch of rowdy guys wearing red MAGA hats that aren't really MAGA people? Well, look, the bottom line is, you know, as members of the right, as Republicans, as conservative, I believe in individual responsibility. If you commit a crime, there should be consequences. And we're going to make it very clear to every single person there that they, if people come down and they want to antagonize and they want to, they want to start trouble, do not engage them. Don't give them the time of day. That's it. Just let them burn themselves out. Because the fact of the matter is, is that anybody who's going to act violent is not somebody I want to be associated with in any way, shape or form. So if you're planning on coming down tomorrow and you're planning on rumbling, just know that you will not have the support of the people who, uh, who organize this, because that's what the media wants. That's what Alvin Bragg wants. That's what Eric Adams wants. That's what Democrats want. And we're not going to give them what they want. All right. Now let's switch gears a little bit to talk about your um, your work with uh, Long Island Loud Majority and now Loud Majority is it's is it's expanding. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, we uh, well we started right before the twenty twenty election around President Trump uh, with all the lockdowns in New York. We organized car parades that were that were tens of miles long. Uh, our longest one was uh, fifty six miles long. Had thirty thousand cars that went the entire length of Long Island, and then uh, after that, we started getting involved in our local elections, the school boards, and county legislative stuff, district attorney, uh, all the stuff, all the stuff that you have the most control over on a local level. After that, we got really heavily involved in the Lee Zeldin race. Uh, that didn't go the way we wanted it to, but we came closer than anybody thought we were going to in uh, in the blue state of New York. And uh, with the red wave that we saw. Uh, not materialize around the country. I'm proud to say that the red wave did happen in New York. There were there were uh, there were seven congressmen elected to this to uh, to Congress from the state of New York, and the House majority runs straight through Long Island. Outstanding work. Now, Kevin Smith, let everybody know how they could uh, take a look at your show and uh, support the work you guys are doing. 
Uh, you guys can go to rumble.com slash LFA. That's uh, rumble.com slash Lima Foxtrot Alpha. On uh, uh, We do 10 hours worth of programming every day on Rumble. Uh, we've got eight different hosts. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of different perspectives. And we, and we talk about a lot of interesting things. We're not like cable news. We're not that, that, that stodgy old-time Republican. We're the new breed of Republican. We like to call ourselves the new right. The people that believe that this country is the greatest country in the world. We shouldn't sell out to people in Ukraine. We shouldn't sell out to foreign countries. We should build the wall. We should close the border. we got to take care of this opioid epidemic that's going on all over this nation. Really, the stuff that matters, the stuff that matters on a day-to-day. I mean, you know, watching what this administration has done to this country while supporting nations abroad is one of the most sickening things I've ever seen in my life. And uh, we really try to highlight some of the stories that the mainstream media doesn't always cover. If people want to follow you, how do they do it? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin underscore Smith 45, or you can follow me on Instagram at that Kevin Smith 45. All right, Kevin Smith, Long Island Lab Majority, co-founder. He's part of the um, team organizing the rally for Trump tomorrow in New York City as Trump uh, will be um, walking into the courthouse for his arraignment. Uh, Kevin Smith, I want to thank you for all the work that you do and for being with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Rich. You bet, brother. Godspeed. All right, folks, your calls and more straight ahead. We're going to talk about what else is happening in America at night. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, and again, uh, uh, we're going to be getting to your calls. Of course, we can take a few now, but we uh, can also, uh, we will be getting to your calls at the top of the hour with uh, Open Phone America, Open Phone America, long-lived tradition here on the America at Night program, once uh, hosted by Larry King and then by Jim Bohannon, and that tradition continues with us. So you're welcome to call 833-482-5337. And I want to get into a, a little bit of the audio that we have. Uh, there's a, a lot of people weighing in on things with, um, with all sorts of things, right? So let's, uh, I want you to hear this one. We've got the attorney for Michael Cohen, Lanny Davis. Uh, he was on CNN yesterday, cut number five. He says that there's substantial documentation backing up the allegations that caused the hush money payments. Listen to this one. You just heard I did. what he said, uh, that uh, Michael Cohen cannot be trusted. You have said, quote, everything that Michael Cohen has testified to is surrounded by documentation and corroboration. So I want to be clear. Do you have and have you submitted to this DA documentation, evidence beyond Michael Cohen's testimony that uh, Donald Trump director or at least caused Michael Cohen to conduct, conduct falsification in these business records. Yes. Do you mind if I answer your direct question and then make a comment about Please. Mr. Tacopino? First of all, the answer is yes. Uh, Michael Cohen submitted a lot of documentation, not only to this group of prosecutors, but to the earlier group. 
And there are other documents from other people and other testimony from other people, some of it direct, involving conversations with Mr. Trump concerning the Karen McDougal crime. Remember, there are two crimes here. And so the answer is substantial documentation. Substantial documentation. So we're going to find out what this documentation is. Uh, I mean, again, I can't imagine. But again, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, but if, you know, if your lawyer sends you an email and says, hey, um, uh, so-and-so is trying to extort you and shake you down for whatever, we could try to go after them for X, Y, and Z, uh, or we could just, you know, send them some money, shut them up. Uh, I went with the latter, sent them some money, you owe me 130 k uh, and, and then Trump, you know, again, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm imagining something like, all right, you know, we'll break it up, I'll pay it back over the next few months, you know, uh, as part of my, you know, my monthly bill or whatever. Uh, all right, super. Um, again, this was uh, a crime that under New York statute is, and it's being brought by by the New York prosecutor, would be a misdemeanor if, in fact, it's it's proven that, that he falsified these records with some sort of, you know, with like with an intent to falsify them, <laughs> right? There, there's zero proof of that. I mean, you have to prove... Uh, the intent here, because now they're charging it as a, a felony. And it, it's just, it, it boggles the mind to me that uh, of all things, a compromising situation for a guy who's very popular on reality television, who owns golf clubs and buildings and shirts and, and necktie lines, and he's got clothing in Macy's and all over the place. I mean, Trump was all over the place. And yeah, who, who wouldn't want to avoid a scandal? I think, you know, you, me and anybody else would want to avoid a scandal that could potentially harm you. Now, of course, regular people that aren't billionaires that are in big business, if they're faced with the prospect of somebody discrediting them and and, uh, maligning them, typically they go ahead and, you know, defend themselves. I didn't do it. That's wrong. How dare you? Um, But that's what we do. It's a knee-jerk reaction. However, I think when you're Trump and you've been through this a bunch of times, you realize, you know what, rather than spend all this money on damage control, um, I can just spend a fraction of it on on just, you know, a, a non-disclosure agreement where we have an out-of-court settlement and boom, that, the problem goes away. And it makes a lot of sense. People pay people all the time to go away. Employers do this a lot. So uh, I just I don't see the world in which they can make this case and and make it stick. But again, who knows? I'm I'm, I'm I can't wait to hear uh, what these 34 counts are. And you know, is it every single check that he wrote to, uh, to to Michael Cohen? Is it every single instance that he may have uttered something in a communication? Very curious to see how they're making 34 counts out of this. Um, my my thought is that they want to lead with that headline. They they're going to try and get a mugshot of some sort, and and this is what they're going for. Uh, but I, I, I think I want to agree with our last guest who says that they're not going to win. Uh, and part of it's wishful thinking, but the other part of it is uh, I think even the bad guys don't want to have an indictment that ends in a conviction uh, because they realize how egregious this is, you know, and that, you know, kind of like saying, oh, Trump, he's been impeached twice. It's the same as saying Trump. He's been impeached 15 times doesn't make a difference, right? If it was once or twice or 15 times, um, there wasn't a conviction. 
So the same way we look at Clinton, who was impeached, we look at Trump, who was impeached. But they went with the second one to be like, no, he's the only one to be impeached twice with no conviction. <laughs> so I, I think it's uh, it's laughable. But I think they're going for the same thing here. They just want to throw the punch for the sake of throwing the punch to say, hey, look, I did what I had to do. We went after Trump. We indicted Trump. And we'll see how it pans out. Anyway, your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. with an S. I'm going to speak to Michael Cohen's attorney next. He says that there is actual evidence that your client, the former president, participa participated in falsifying business records. Have you seen any such evidence? I know there's no such evidence. I mean, look, Michael Cohen's lawyer is spinning Michael Cohen's side. Michael Cohen is a pathological convicted liar, perjury. He's lied to banks, the IRS, Congress. Now he's saying he lied to the FEC when he sent that letter saying there was no campaign violation. I heard him on CNN the other day saying that when he pled guilty under oath, when he became a new man, um, he really wasn't guilty. He was forced to plead guilty. So that's perjury, if that's now true. Um, he, he's someone who is constitutionally incapable of telling the same story the same way twice. So I'm not really worried about what Michael Cohen is saying on this. The records and the facts will speak for themselves. The facts will speak for themselves. That's uh, Donald Trump's attorney, uh, Joe Tacopina, on CNN yesterday with Dana Bash. And uh, I think his, his response was accurate. This is going to speak for itself. We're going to see how this all pans out tomorrow when the indictment is unsealed at the arraignment. Uh, let us check in over here quickly <clears throat> with Todd in Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Go right ahead. Yes, Rich. Uh, yeah, I just want to get your opinion. Um, first, you know, Lanny Davis sounds like Adam Schiff telling us about the Russia hoax. Um, but <laughs> Good analysis. Good analogy. Excuse me. But, you know, um, what I what I want your opinion on is first, you know, the fact that uh, Stormy Daniels under oath recanted this whole affair delusion um, back in 2018. And also the fact that this was a non-disclosure agreement, which, of course, she wantonly violated and her lawyers in prison. I mean, it's like he Trump's the victim of an extortion scam and they're coming after him. Yeah, 100 <clears throat> percent. We um, on Friday, we spoken with um, Amir Benno, who was a uh, assistant district attorney in the same office where Alvin Bragg works. And uh, he pointed out uh, similarly that there there was a case for extortion against Stormy Daniels trying to extort Trump out of this money. And nobody brought that case. And instead, they just chose to settle. And you're right. She did violate the nondisclosure agreement. I mean, this this whole thing stinks. And it just what what bothers me really, and it really does, is that we've finally gotten to a place that I think they've wanted to get to in politics for a long time, which is where you could demonize somebody to the point where they're willing to throw out the baby with the bathwater, where they're willing to say, look, I don't like breaking the law, but if it's for Trump, then go ahead and break it. I don't like doing the wrong thing, but if it's for Trump, oh, let's do the wrong thing. 
right, where, where people abandon their own interpersonal constitution on how they view things, their own morality, their own code of ethics, because of their disdain and dislike for someone. That's wrong. And that's not going to help America move forward. Todd, thank you, brother. I appreciate your call. Big shout out to everybody in Atlanta, Georgia on WGKA. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Hang in there if you're on hold. Open Phone America starts right after this break, so don't go anywhere. It's only three minutes. We're coming right back. Rich Valdez, America at Night. Don't go anywhere. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of these social media. Some of you guys know me as your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and it's my pleasure to be here with you guys tonight on the Westwood One Radio Network and all of these wonderful local affiliates that we're on. Thank you for uh, inviting me into your homes and your cars and for having this late-night national town hall conversation with me. And if you want to join that conversation, you're welcome to 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And um, a couple of uh, headlines here. There's a bunch. Interesting stuff here, right? So McDonald's is closing their corporate office ahead of job cuts. They're going to be letting people know by way of um, email or whatnot, um, virtually, if uh, if they've gotten the, the axe or not. So if you're getting the boot from McDonald's, you're going to know. Uh, virtually don't even show up to work. Uh, Then the University of Pennsylvania is going to stop awarding Dean's List honors and no longer awarding this uh, to students who achieve well and wait till you hear about why. Then artificial intelligence is continuing to wreak havoc. You know, last week, Elon Musk and a bunch of other big tech uh, entrepreneurs and head honchos were saying we should probably have a moratorium on creating any further artificial intelligence and someone has now committed suicide after being encouraged to do so from an AI chatbot. We're going to get to that momentarily. And and there's a bunch here. I mean, there's a bunch of crazy stories out there that I think are, are, are horrible, uh, not the least of which is one about a superintendent who was offered a job and then thanking the people that offered him a job, uh, he used a word that they didn't like, so they rescinded the job offer. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But right now, I want to uh, I want to give you just a little bit of the scoop on this story here about this man ending his own life after an AI chatbot encouraged him to sacrifice himself to stop climate change, of all things. This guy's in Belgium. And this Belgian man, he reportedly ended his life following a six-week-long conversation about the climate crisis with an artificial intelligence chatbot. According to his widow, who chose to remain anonymous for this report, uh, Pierre became extremely eco-anxious 
when he found refuge in Eliza, an AI chatbot on an app called Chai. Eliza consequently encouraged him to put an end to his own life after he proposed sacrificing himself to save the planet. Without these conversations with the chatbot, my husband would still be here, she said. Ah, that's horrible to think that this is actually a thing. According to the newspaper, Pierre was in his 30s and the father of two young children, worked as a health researcher and led a somewhat comfortable life, at least until his obsession with the climate and climate change took a dark turn. His widow described his mental state before he started conversing with chatbots as worrying, but nothing so extreme that he would commit suicide. Consumed by his fears about the repercussions of the climate crisis, Pierre found comfort in discussing the matter with Eliza, who became his confidant. The chatbot was created using Eleuther AI's GPTJ, an AI language model similar but not identical to the technology behind OpenAI's popular chat GPT chatbot. Here's a quote. When he spoke to me about it, it was to tell me he no longer saw any human solution to global warming. He placed all his hopes in technology and artificial intelligence to get rid of it. Isn't that something? This poor guy. Now, I, I'm going to tell you my, my thought on this. A, I feel terrible about it. But B, this guy's nuts, right? I mean, this guy is nuts. This, there is underlying mental illness. No sane person has a wife and kids and finds a chatbot as their confidant. And then the chatbot tells you, yeah, go ahead, jump off the bridge. And they go, oh, sure, great idea. Where's the tallest bridge? I, I mean, this is absolutely insane. I think the guy is insane to begin with, and the AI chat thing is is just as uh, insane. The whole thing is crazy, in my opinion. But, you know, I want to hear your opinions. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let us go to Chuck calling in from KROC in Rochester, Minnesota. Chuck, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. My question is, how can... Uh the judge even allowed the prosecution of Trump if all the charges, the statute of limitation is passed. Yeah, good point. So the, one of the legal maneuvers that they're pulling here and what makes this whole thing so flimsy is that they're using a so the the statute, I believe, had a, a two year limit with um, with the um the, the jurisdiction they're in, the Manhattan DA's office, and five years uh, if it was a felony and they were going to try and pursue it uh, at that level. And I think they were able to extend it from the last incident by using this federal statute. So, again, uh, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow when the government brings this case and Trump and Takapina and all of his lawyers come in and say, you know, like you're saying, this isn't going to fly. You can't even bring the case. It's beyond the statute. That's likely going to be one of the motions that they bring to get rid of this case. And we have uh, some audio of Takapina talking about uh, another uh, thing that they're considering is requesting a new judge, a new venue, and so many other things. So we, we, it's, it, it remains to be seen, and we have yet to, um, to find out exactly what they're going to do. But you're right. It is outside of that, and that's likely going to be one of the reasons that they're going to strike to have this thing thrown out. And 
that would work, right? It would work for the Democrats. They would say, look, we tried our best to indict Trump, but, um, you know, lamentably, this went outside of our statute of limitations because we couldn't bring the, the case quick enough. But it doesn't mean that he's above the law. Nobody's above the law. And he got off on a technicality like a statute of limitations. But had it not been for that clock ticking, boy, Donald Trump would be wearing that orange jumpsuit. Uh, I, I could see them saying something like that. But I think that's the, uh, the gist of it, Chuck. Can a state prosecutor even charge a federal crime? Well, apparently, again, this is another one where, um, you know, the legal experts that we've brought on said that they, they were able to, um, to to bring this case, uh, but it, it, it isn't something that's been done before. So they're on shaky legal ground there in bringing it um, uh, on that particular statute. So I think that's another area where they're going to say, look, this is a... Uh, this is a federal thing. You're not a federal um, law enforcement person. This isn't a federal court. This doesn't apply here. And what does apply here, the statute's out. And again, that may be another one where they say, okay, whatever. But there's, you know, another 33 or 34 counts that they have to rely on. So they're going to go through each and every one of those to get as many of those thrown out as possible. And I think that's what the prosecution's aim is going to be, is to have as enough, enough uh, of a of a case to uh, to try and get something to stick. And we're going to see how that happens. Now, Chuck, uh, before you go, I want to know, uh, have you heard of anything as crazy as somebody committing suicide over climate change after talking to a robot? Not talking to a robot, but I have heard of people becoming suicidal after going and talking with somebody who is also mentally unstable. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You talk to another psycho and then you're both psycho. And I don't mean to be insensitive to anybody who's suicidal or mentally ill. If uh, anybody who's listening is struggling with that, dial 988. That's the suicide hotline. Uh, But yeah, Chuck, I think you're right. When people uh, go to the wrong source, you know, or it's kind of like, you know, when you have a, a friend that you know will give you the wrong advice and you're looking for the wrong advice. <laughs> you go to that particular friend. It's interesting how those things work out. But sadly, in this case, it didn't work out that way. Chuck, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody in Rochester, Minnesota, KROC in the building. More to come straight ahead. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more. Give us a call, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. now officially a third world country. No president in the history of our country has been subjected to such vicious and disgusting attacks. But they only attack me because I fight for you. It's very simple. They can't buy me and they can't control me. And that scares them beyond belief. I believe that people are scared beyond belief because and people being the Democrat, the critics, um, you know, both Democrat and Republican, the Liz Cheney's, Adam Kingsinger's, all, all those people. 
I believe that they they just hate the idea that there is a president that that just doesn't care the way they care that is willing to break tradition that's willing to 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 break some some uh some china in the china shop and they just can't stand it and i love it <laughs> i personally it's so refreshing to me to think that you know you have somebody that's like ah eh, eh, whatever you know they say it's uncouth i think it's it's the best thing since sliced bread really it's what washington needed in my opinion but that's president trump and he's um, set for his uh, arraignment tomorrow, and we're trying to bring you all of the pre-arraignment um, antics, uh, if you will, that are going on. And um, we talked with the organizer of the rally that's going on tomorrow. One of the uh, the three organizations organizing that is Marjorie Taylor Greene, the New York Young Republicans, and uh, Loud Majority. And Kevin Smith joined us earlier. Uh, we also talked with uh, Andy Trusevich who's an attorney who uh, has made his prediction. He's a Democrat, by the way. He made his prediction that Bragg will lose this case, Takapina will win the case for Trump, and that they will get a mugshot of Trump that will leak all over the place. So let's uh, see um, what the uh, odds are for Andy's prediction uh, when that happens tomorrow. And, of course, if you've missed any part of our conversation with uh, our guests. You can always check it out at richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Uh, on that website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, you can find old episodes. You could l- take a look at the different guests, listen to what you want to listen to. You could share it with people. You could also uh, subscribe to the podcast, whether you listen to podcasts on Spotify or Amazon or uh, Apple, and you could subscribe and I would recommend subscribing and having the alerts on this way you get a little notification when it goes off and you could you know don't miss a show I know a lot of people listen the next day or they listen live for part of their work if they're at night or if your affiliate only carries a portion of the show but there's a lot no, no two hours or three hours are alike on this program so I recommend you listen to all three hours so you could stay up to speed on everything that's going on in America at night and Joe Tacopino is Trump's lawyer, and he um, was on with Dana Bash. We played a clip of him earlier. There's a longer clip that I want you to hear where they talk about him uh, potentially looking to change venue and to change a judge. Listen to this. I want to ask about the judge that we believe is going to preside over the uh, arraignment. The former president, your client, was lashing out against him. Uh, his name is Juan Mershon, and the former president said that the judge hates him and was handpicked by the DA for this case for that reason. Are you going to ask for a different judge? We are going to take the indictment, evaluate all our legal options, and pursue everyone most vigorously. Uh, this is a case of political persecution. Had he not been running for office right now, for the office of the presidency, which, by the way, the polls have shown since this has been announced, his numbers have gone up significantly. Had he not been running for presidency, he would not have been indicted. Well, but Had let's talk about Smith, the judge. There's let's no scenario the judge. where he'd been indicted. My question is about the sure. judge. Will you, ask, the judge? will you ask for a different What's the judge? Question? Well, I just said we have to get the indictment and then we will we'll evaluate every single legal maneuver. The, um, you know, I have no issue with this judge whatsoever. Well, the, your client um, does. He says that he has a very good reputation. 
But well, my, well, my client has a right to have an issue with everything. He's been politically persecuted. Make no mistake about that, Dana. Whether you sit on the right or the left, or you're a supporter or detractor of Donald Trump, this should really bother you. This, this should really shake the core of what we believe our justice system should be about. It should not be weaponized to go after political opponents. So the ju- you That's don't believe this judge is biased? Out because he's the victim. I have no reason to believe this okay. judge is biased. I've not been before him on this matter. So I, we, we have to let this process play out. All right, that's uh, Trump's attorney, uh, Joe Tacopino, and uh, I, I think he's right. Uh, you you got to see what's going on. The, the sealed indictment, you know, he's Trump's lawyer. He hasn't seen it. He knows what's in it, but he hasn't seen it. And uh, the only people that's seen it are obviously Dana Bash and her colleagues at CNN who have received the leaked version from um, Alvin Bragg's office. So we have to wait and see what's going on with that. Uh, but interestingly, he talks about the the – politicization and the the weaponization of the legal system against political opponents. And again, this is something I think all of us should, I agree with him, we should all be uh, up in arms about this. This is not how anybody uh, should, you know, it's kind of like murder, right? We never want to condone murder, right? People shouldn't be getting killed. This is why we don't ever support vigilantism. And it's why, by and large, Show me a, a city or a state in America where vigilantism is the norm. There isn't one, right? It's just not a thing because even though we may not like the bad guys, we're not willing to abandon what's right and wrong in order to get rid of the, the bad guys. And and I understand that. So this is a, a very um, interesting case where my hope is that what we're seeing in those polls for Trump will will remain true with jurors and with everybody else, where we're realizing, you know what, look, somebody has to draw the line somewhere and say, look, you can be political enemies, you can do whatever you want, but you can't just go trying to put people in jail because you didn't like what they said one way or another or how they handled their, their business affairs and whatnot. If it's a crime, it's a crime. And if, if the appropriate authorities decided to say, no, it's not a crime, it doesn't pass the test, then it's not a crime and move on and stop belaboring this point. Now, speaking of crimes, there was a fugitive out there. He was the former chief of staff to Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who, I don't know, ever since Trump got elected, I've been hearing that Larry Hogan's running for president. Now, I don't know Larry Hogan, but I can tell you that I I don't even see how this guy gets elected. He must have an amazing wit and charm about himself um, because he he wins in, 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 uh, in Maryland here. But uh, wow, I, I just don't see the allure. Anyway, uh, his ex-chief of staff, Roy McGrath, was arrested uh, and charged with some white-collar crimes a while back, and he's been on the lam since the middle of March. Well, they found him today, and the FBI filled him with lead. He's dead now. Roy McGrath, former chief of staff to Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, uh, who become a fugitive, was shot and killed in a uh, FBI shooting. I don't know if he had a gun. I don't know what the extent of this is, but that is what is going on. And um, Mr. McGrath uh, never um, wavered regarding his innocence. So I wanted your opinions on that as well. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. We're going to get to your calls right now. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And uh, we got this AI issue, the chatbots, the chatbot suicide, Trump 
and uh, Larry Hogan. There's a lot on the table here. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. Welcome back, Rich Valdez. And something I wanted to mention at the top of hour one, and I forgot because we talked with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy about his uh, campaign uh, for the Republican nomination in 24. And we talked about Asa Hutchinson getting into the race. But I forgot to mention, this is what I wanted to mention. Uh, it was the whole reason I talked about a lot of that stuff was because Joe Lieberman has been working with a group called No Labels, and they have a $70 million effort going on right now to get on the ballot for 24 in all 50 states. That's right. No Labels group raises alarms with third-party presidential preparations, and good old Senator Lieberman says no decision has been made on any of that uh, with you know, respect to him um, getting involved, but we're putting ourselves in position. You know, it might be that we'll take our common sense, moderate, independent platform to Biden and the Republican candidate and see which one of them is willing to commit to it. And that could lead to, in my opinion, a no labels endorsement. Now, there's uncertainty over the 70 million dollar no labels ballot effort, which uh, is setting off alarm bells in Democrat circles and raising concerns amongst Republicans as well, because they've launched their own research projects to figure out the potential impact. Uh, Lieberman, who spoke um, While he was speaking, the Arizona Democrat Party filed a lawsuit to block no labels from ballot access in Arizona on procedural grounds. Matt Bennett of the centrist um, Democrat think tank Third Way has argued that the plot is going to reelect Trump and Adam Green of the progressive change campaign. He's accused no labels of wanting to play the role of a spoiler. Uh, I love it. If they think that this is going to help Trump win, I'm all for it. But uh, I I just think it's interesting how, you know, people on the left seem to like not want options. And not that I'm on the right per se, but uh, I, I always want options. I want to hear as many as I can. That's why, you know, we've had, we've had Trump on and we've had um, Pompeo on and we'll have as many as want to be on because uh, I think, you know, contrast is great. I loved seeing Trump outperform so many very talented uh, politicians in 2016. I thought it was terrific to watch. It gives you a good uh, insight into the candidate. Anyway, uh, so that's what's on the table right now. Let's uh, get to some of your calls. Let's go to uh, Sarah Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Sarah, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, good job as always. I really, yeah, you've really done a great job filling Bohanna's shoes. And I got to say, your feet are getting big and might bust out of those shoes. You're doing a really good job. You're very Um, kind. Thank you. Concerning that uh, gentleman who committed suicide after his chat with the bot, um, his fear about climate change and then speaking to artificial intelligence, which evidently led him to commit suicide, it kind of puts you in that um, 70s movie, Logan's Run. You remember that movie? No, born in 78. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, you're talking to an old person here. Okay, so I guess it was a book before, and I guess they had a remake of the movie and all this. But anyway, 
the, the premise was these people lived under this dome in a futuristic society. It was controlled by a robot. And the premise, the robot had everyone convinced that outside the dome, the world was nuclear wasteland, and they could only survive in this dome. But to prevent overpopulation, everybody had to die by the time they were 30. Huh. And this one guy goes, he's a Sandman who's supposed to, like, freeze people when they're 30 or whatever, and he makes a run for it. And at the end of the movie, he finds out that it's been a lie, that outside the dome there are actually survivors that are doing well. But... It just kind of put me in mind that that guy being convinced that you know there, there's no way out, and then he's talking to a robot, and it agrees suicide is a good thing, and he kills himself. And I know I just saw that movie Logan's Run for some reason. Well, now you've inspired me to to watch this movie, Becky, because I, I it sounds uh, Sarah, excuse me, it sounds really interesting, and uh, I appreciate it. And you're right; I think we're in in that situation today overall in politics, not just in uh, this chatbot death, but I think there's so many people on either side that are so addicted to the outrage of their politics, whether it's, oh my gosh, I can't believe the Republicans, they're doing this, they're destroying the planet, we only have 12 years left, or the other side, these communists are destroying everything, we're not going to have an America left. And then there's me, that, you know, while I believe a lot of that stuff to be true, I still find time to go down to Miami and have a really good time in some of those great nightclubs down there, and I really enjoy myself, and I love the beach, and I get a tan, and I, I enjoy life. And I think to myself, man, everybody's saying this, the sky is falling, the world is falling. It's not falling for me. I mean, things are, you know, things could be better financially. The economy is challenging for sure. Granted, you know, it's a lot more money to fill up my huge gas guzzling SUV. I get that. Uh, it's more expensive to go eat. All of that. I don't like any of it. Um, and I've lost some weight as a result, which is probably a good thing. But all of that being said, it's it's never as bad as I think we, we make it out to be. And, and and it's interesting. So these people are living in this dome in Logan's Run that you mentioned. I feel like sometimes we live in a dome as well. And this is why in the third hour of the program, I try to relax a little bit and give you a few different perspectives, different stories, not so much on the political news of the day, but on other news, uh, because it's important for us to go outside of this dome and realize, all right, these things are important and they deserve our attention and they uh, require robust debate in the public square, but there are other things. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of good entertainment. I, whatever entertainment you like is good for you. I like music. I like all sorts of things. So it's important for us to go outside of the dome, and I appreciate the call, Sarah. Uh, let's up next, let's go to Becky. I was just mentioning you. Becky in Bloomington, Illinois, W-H-O-W. Becky, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Just love you, Rich. Oh, you're love very your kind. Program. Thank you. Thank you so I much. I got a couple of things to say. Sure. One, I heard earlier tonight that in Florida it's legal now to be conceal and carry. I don't know, but that's what I heard on the radio. And number two, well, I think is it's I always been um, uh, legal to conceal carry in Florida. Pardon me? I think it's always been legal. I mean, maybe you guys could fact check me, but I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. They I think open carry was the issue. I have no clue. I don't live there, so I don't know. Number two is I, I wish someone would please, honestly please, tell me why Bill and Hillary Clinton and Obama have never been charged with anything. And I think they're both so crooked, I don't know how they sleep at night. You know, there's and, an interesting take on that. This is an argument I've had with my brother a lot. 
Um, you know, we talk every now and again. And, and I, I, I would tell him, you know, he would tell me things like, you know what? Same thing like you, but he'd take it further. I don't understand how these people, you know, how they, they go around and they don't get booed and people don't throw things at them and how it's safe for them to walk around. And I tell him, you know why? Because people don't care. <laughs> people don't care. People live outside of these bubbles. There are people that live their entire existence to watch sports. You know, they go to work. They do everything just to buy season's tickets to uh, whatever sport, you name it. And that's what they do when they get together with their friends and they make family memories and they raise their kids wearing all of the sports memorabilia and the gear and those colors. And and their kids do the same and generation upon generation make their entire lives and livings to to perpetuate a, a lifestyle and and this hobby, which is something they love. And it, it's just fascinating to me that not everybody cares about um, these people. And that's why they get away with what they do. But you're you're right. Things were egregious. Now let's not let's not um, you know while people were chanting "lock her up, lock her up," the reality is there was a federal charge against Hillary Clinton's campaign for violations of you know um, falsifying business documents. Let's call it. It's not that though. Um, but they she did get a fine, a big hefty fine, for purchasing the uh, Fusion GPS. Um, fake PP tape or whatever it was called, the uh, the dossier, the famous Christopher Steele dossier. Uh, she did get a fine for that for, through her campaign from the Federal Election Commission because they felt that that was a violation of campaign finance and the way that they kind of laundered that money through a law firm and then through uh, Fusion GPS. So, um, you know, some might say that's accountability. Others might say it's a slap on the wrist and it's not nearly enough. Others probably wanted her to have the death penalty for that, again, which I think is outrageous. Uh, so, you know, th- this is where we are. Obama and Hillary and the rest of the, the, the cast of characters in this tale of corruption, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, James Biden, Hallie Biden, all the whole, the whole Biden clan. There's so many. that it, It's not unique to them. And, and the reason that I think everybody gets away with this stuff is because there's not enough people paying attention. There's not enough people that care. And ultimately, people expect politicians to be crooked. Nobody ever goes, oh, my gosh, they were stealing money. They were taking bribes from foreign leaders. No way. Nobody's ever surprised by that. And it's for that reason that when they do something, um, we're like, yeah, we expected them to do that. That's what they're supposed to do. At least that's my take on it. I could be wrong. Becky, thanks again for your kind words and for the call from Bloomington, Illinois, W-H-O-W. More from you guys in Ohio and Montana and everywhere else across the country. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All 
Right America. Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez and our phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Pete in Youngstown, Ohio, WPIC. Pete, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hello, go right Rich. ahead. Hey. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious to know what the type of risk factor uh, Trump has taken maybe going to New York like that and becoming in the rain like that. Um, I don't know how good his security is and everything, but... Um, I, I do know that he's sitting on what's called the um, Panera Papers there, which basically, you know, Panera Say it again? Papers. I'm not hearing Panera. you. One more time. Uh, uh, Panera. Uh, uh, Pandora. I'm sorry. The Pandora Papers. Have you ever heard of that? No. Tell okay. me about it. Well, anyway, well, the Pandora Papers uh, basically deal with uh, the corruption uh that's basically in the various uh, houses of the Senate and the uh, Congress. Uh, what it deals with is uh, all the money laundering that's going on. So you're saying he has some sort of proof, and if they do something to him, he'll unleash this proof. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I believe. Now, why wouldn't he have unleashed this before? I don't know why. I think he's he's sitting out and waiting for it maybe to get back in yeah. the office there. You know what I think, Pete? Um, I, I, honestly, I, I think that the president, any president, honestly, probably has a lot of information that they receive during their time as, as president that is classified, non-classified, whatever, um, that could be compromising. And usually that's why they classify these things. Um, and they usually know the real story about a lot of things that we don't find out because of, you know, that's how the government works oftentimes. But I don't believe that Trump has anything that he's going to be putting out about anything. I don't think he's holding anything as leverage over anybody. If he had leverage, they wouldn't be doing this to him in the first place. So uh, that's that part. The second part uh, of my thought on what you were talking about is security is security. You know, um, it, it's fallible. It's not like... Um, the word of God that's infallible, right? It's it's fallible. We saw that with Ronald Reagan. We've seen it with, with JFK, um, and we've seen it with Abraham Lincoln. All of them were presidents, and all of them um, had Secret Service. And um, I, I would uh, expect that things are going to be really tight and super safe for Trump. Uh, I'm pretty sure if people wanted him dead, that they would have gotten him dead a while ago. <laughs> I know that there's been a lot of attempts on him. I think he has a very good team in place. Uh, of course, my prayers are with him and his Secret Service detail. But I, I don't think that this is a, a plot to to assassinate him. Uh, I think this is a plot to slow him down, to slow down his momentum, to embarrass him, and to yet again try and make it look like, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire. This guy's constantly indicted. He's constantly in legal problems. He's constantly in this. He's constantly in that. And that's what they're trying to do is create this guilt by association type of a scenario so that they could ultimately say, yeah, this guy, Trump, he's no good. Look, he's always in trouble. All his friends have been indicted. Oh, he's always in tr This is a, a long-term plan to go after a guy that they really can't stand because he outsmarts them. Every step of the way, he understands how they think because he knows these people and he's a couple of steps ahead of them every single time. So my expectation is that tomorrow everything will go off without a hitch. 
Um, one of our guests said that they'll definitely be getting a mugshot of him. There's reports right now that say that there there won't be a mugshot, that there won't be any handcuffs. Uh, the guest, um, Andy Trusevich, I don't know if you got to hear that part of the interview, but he said that this is happening because the Secret Service has a responsibility to keep him safe, and they can't keep him safe if he's in handcuffs. So um, all that being said, that makes sense to me, and uh, I think that that's probably what we're going to see is Trump – um, you know, go into the courthouse. We may not even see it. Maybe he comes through a back door or something. Who knows? But I think they're going to get him in, in the building safely and out of the building safely. And then he's going to get on his big plane and he's going to fly back to Mar-a-Lago and he's going to have a big old party over there. And lots of people are going to be in Mar-a-Lago. And then he's going to um, make a speech tomorrow night at eight o'clock. And we'll grab some of that audio from the video of that and we'll play it on tomorrow's show. Uh, but I, I think things are going to go better than a lot of people expect them to. Hopefully that's um, me being correct. I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this one, Pete. Um, but um, I'm just as nervous as everybody else. I'm just uh, optimistic, if that makes any sense. So the worst case they'll try to do is discredit him at, 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 at their best that's that's my thought is that they're just going to try and make him look bad. And I think what they want to do is because of the amount of media attention that this thing has gotten, whoever runs against Trump from the Democrat side, they're going to now run. That's part of the sentence. It's part of his name now. You know, uh, the first president to ever be indicted, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, first president ever indicted, the first president to ever be indicted. And you're going to hear that echo and echo and echo. And they're going to hope that that reduces um, the, the gravitas towards people going, you know what? I like Trump. I like making money under Trump. Anyway, uh, I've got to hit this pause here. The producers are yelling at me in my ear, but Pete, thank you. Big shout out to everybody in Youngstown, Ohio, WPIC radio. More to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Uh, We continue with your calls until we wrap it up for tonight. Let us go to Pendleton, Oregon, K-U-M-A. Michael, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Great talking to you uh, again. Thank you. Another great show. Uh, Yeah, I just want to say briefly, I hope everything stays peaceful and calm. Tomorrow in New York City, we're we're praying for um, all that and for our country at our church. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I I really am praying for that. And uh, I just want to say, I know we don't have a lot of time. I wanted to give a salute to our local theater company here in Pendleton at our local mm-hmm. college. And I know many communities have a theater group. They put on a wonderful performance of Wizard of Oz, and that was such a wonderful movie. And to this day, my mom used to talk about it. She saw it way back in 1939 in New York City when it came out. Um, And I still feel bad. Is this my own opinion? I know other people uh, may not agree, and I respect that. But I've always felt uh, that should have won the Oscar in 1939. I know it went to Gone with the Wind, and that was a great movie. Clark Gable, great actor, Vivian Leigh. You know, Michael, it's... uh 
I agree. I, I love uh, supporting local theater whenever I can. I, I don't get too often, but I've been to in New York. I've been to like the um, the one in the Hamptons. They have a great theater group there, and in Hackensack, New Jersey, they have Hack Pack, really good, uh, and lots of great small places that really do an excellent job. And I agree with you. Praying for peace as well for tomorrow. Frank in Evergreen, Montana, I'm sorry you were on hold and the clock got to us before I could get to you, but uh, I can't wait to hear from you tomorrow. If you can, let us know why you want Trump to be president again. Uh, It's always humorous when we check in with Frank and Evergreen. Anyway, folks, that's all I've got. The music means they're kicking me out. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night and God bless. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Live coverage of the Trump arraignment. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.